Hi, this is Brendan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Joel and Adam for another installment of Horror Express. This is another late night Horror Express. As I've said before, anything after 11, when Brendan gets tired, is late night, which means there will be meandering, we will be forgetting things, um, there might be a certain lack of focus, but uh, a dreamlike, surreal quality also seeps into these episodes that I think is quite nice, so... I recommend listening to this one late at night just to kind of be in the same vibe as we are. Uh, tonight, we're going to be doing Nosferatu, a 1922 film directed by F.W. Murnau. It's a classic. It's a, you know, it's a silent movie, a German silent movie. Um, you know, the synopsis is uh, the mysterious Count Orlock summons Thomas Hutter to his remote Transylvania castle in the mountains. The eerie Orlock seeks to buy a house near Hutter and his wife, Ellen. After Orlock reveals his vampire nature, Hutter struggles to escape the castle, knowing that Ellen is in grave danger. Meanwhile, Orlock's servant, Nock, prepares for his master to arrive at his new home. Um, and so uh, I, I guess, first off, I want to say just after reading that synopsis, which uh, we all, I think we all watched the, um, the Kino version that's available for yeah. free on streaming. There's also a number of versions on YouTube. So this movie you can totally see without paying anything. Amazon Prime also has, I think, the Kino version. Uh, and that one you, you don't have to pay for if you have Prime. But I noticed when I had this when I was a, when I was a kid and the version I had didn't use those names at all. I, I, I don't remember all the names it used, but I'm pretty sure I'm, pre, I'm pretty sure it, it, it that Knock was Renfield. I could be wrong. And I'm also I'm 100 percent positive Ellen was Nina, not Mina, but Nina. And I don't remember what they had Hutter as. It might have been Harker. It might have been some other name. I can't remember. And Orlock was Orlock. But the the, the, the names were a little bit different. Um, so I don't know. what Do we all want to talk about our experience with this movie before we saw it? Since I don't know. Was this everybody's first time? Or was this was this new viewing for everybody? I haven't seen it in a while. I, I, I got into a silent movie kick about a decade or so ago. I watched this and uh, Metropolis and a few other ones. And... I, I didn't think much of it back then, I think. I think I was a little bit taken with Metropolis. I actually wound up buying that one. Uh, so it's been a little bit for me rewatching this one. And I've learned a lot about uh, like old school movies since then. So I, I'm really digging this version. Uh, having watched it again like with fresh eyes, there's a lot to appreciate in it. So Yeah, for me, I, I've seen this a long time ago, probably about 30 years ago. Mm. So uh, not only was it a long time ago, it probably was a really terrible copy of it on VHS way back then. So for me, this was amazing looking as far as the visuals. It looked so much crisper than anything I expected. But uh, yeah, I, I, I I I really enjoyed seeing this again. Yeah, for me, I mean, I've probably told this story before on the podcast, but for me, Nosferatu was a very formative movie. I saw it as a very young kid at, at a church of all places where they had it on a, um, a projector and they, <laughs> and they played it for us. And I just remember, you know, just this being like the scariest thing I had seen. And it still to me is one of the scariest movies just because of the way Count Orlock looks and the way that it, mm-hmm. the way mm-hmm. that it looks in the in 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 a silent film do you know what i mean just something about yes. uh you know all that stuff um and also i you know like 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 adam i had 
crappy VHS versions of it <laughs> growing up, uh, which were, which which were nothing like the Kino version we just saw. They were all very grainy and choppy, yeah. and there were like eighteen different versions of this movie. I think too, so they were all different and it was mm-hmm. you know i don't think that there was a consistent experience for a lot of people growing up watching this film um but yeah so i you know i think we've all we've all seen it before uh but i feel like it's been a long time since i've seen it and uh so it was it, it felt like a very fresh feeling to me and this version is so different that it was it might as well be a new movie in a lot of respects so it was, you know, it, it was a totally different experience than watching the VHS version that I remember. Um, so, you know, uh, I don't know. What do we want to talk about first? I guess we want to get into how this was uh, based on Dracula and was it's somewhat controversial because uh, the, bro- the, the, the Stoker estate went after them and it was almost it was almost eliminated. They almost had all of the copies destroyed uh, and thankfully some survived uh but i think one of the reasons why we have so many different versions of it is the the ones that survived were uh uh you know the the assembling assembling prints proved difficult i think um well a lot of silent movies had that treatment unfortunately especially ones that came from europe uh it's kind of uh, like an accepted wisdom say like metropolis is sort of a lost masterpiece there's so much of it that's just gone um or like london after midnight which i don't think there's any of that anymore um yeah but it's you know as far as far as this being a taken from dracula and everything it's it's interesting being one of the first vampire movies that it's already enough of a pop culture thing. It's just there's an expectation of knowledge. You can do things like, oh, the two mosquitoes bit bit me on the neck right next to yeah. each other. We're just winking at the audience because they, the, he just knows the audience knows everything about <laughs> vampires already. So I, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, and I, I like I like the that this is a. It's Dracula. It definitely is familiar enough. Like if you know the Dracula, like everybody knows the Dracula story, but it has all the the basic important beats. But mm-hmm. it's such a different characterization of Dracula, which is mm-hmm. I think what really sets it apart. Is the is the the Count Orlock character is he's not suave. He's not charming. He's just horrifying and you know like a like a devil, but like a devil in yeah, like he's... a real sense, not in like a. He's a devil, but he's handsome and smooth and, you know. No, no, he, he's ghoulish is what he, he is. He yeah. looks like a corpse that's just not prepared to die. It's just so nasty. Uh, yeah, the, the the makeup is something we should probably comment on in this movie because, like, it's very theatrical makeup. Yeah. Uh, and especially with silent movie makeup, like, they did a lot of, like, deep eye shadow and stuff like that. Um, but man, they, they do a really good job with Orlock. Like any scene that he's in, they do, a, he has such a presence. Like he's, he's a really tall, lanky actor. And they do this thing where they hunch up his shoulders. So they're like yeah. monstrous and humpbacked. And he's just, and the long, oh, the so long nasty. fingers, the long the gnarly fingers, fingers are so gross. Yeah. I hate them. Well, I, I love them because they're, they're frightening, you know, and it's, it's weird because you don't associate something like long fingers with anything kind of dangerous. Like it's not like he's going to grab you harder because he has more finger, yeah. but there's something kind of otherworldly about it. It just, that's it. It's, it's an uncanny yeah. appearance. It's a very uncanny appearance. It's just off enough. He's like on the cusp between 
Because the normal Dracula can pass for a normal human. This Dracula mm. is really like on the line. Like he, there's something <laughs> wrong with this guy, right? Like you see him and you're uh-huh. like, this is not. A, but he could he could be somebody that you might like run into in the real world who's just crazy and doesn't take care of themselves and all. You know what I mean? There, there's, it, it, he's it's believable that he's still human. But in the back of your mind, it's like, no, this guy, this, there's something monstrous perhaps going on, you know? <laughs> well, and his stare is really good too. Yeah. Uh, the, the actor, uh, Shrink, Max Shrink, is that him? I think uh, he has this wonderful, like, eerie, unblinking stare he does directly at the camera Shrek. a lot. It's very Shrek, Max Shrek. Shrek. Hmm. Um, but yeah, the stare is really good. They point his ears, they give him little tufts of hair on the side of his bald cap. Mm-hmm. Um, his teeth aren't the right ones, like because the the canines are the ones that are supposed to be long, but his two front teeth are yeah. long, like a like a bat. Uh, it's it's they did a, such a wonderful job with this vampire. Yeah, it's a it's, it's a it's a really creepy vampire. I I think I I think I I kind of wish vampires had gone more this direction because I feel like we wouldn't have ended up in like the Twilight Zone with with vampires do you know what i mean like uh-huh. well, they just i like kept... that you call it the twilight zone <laughs> well we had this discussion last time right like we were talking about weren't, weren't we or was it or my mistake I we've sworn... had a similar conversation uh, about that. you have okay. to have a twilight conversation yeah. talking about vampires and modern vampires because sexy vampires became a thing after bella lugosi there was always a need for a sexy vampire you know but this is the unsexiest vampire man this is this is like straight up nightmare fuel vampire. Yeah, we probably yeah. was probably fright night was when we had our sexy vampire conversation. Yeah, I'll bet. Yeah. yeah, I feel like like some point. I mean, it's it's good up until a point, and then it just starts getting into territory where it gets less and less scary. Do you know what I mean? Where the yeah, like the, it's like the sex appeal was serving the horror for a while, and then it, and then it by by the time I mean. I can't imagine anybody's afraid when they read Twilight. Like that doesn't seem to be the point. <laughs> I don't think it's Twilight. the point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Like people like it, but it's, it's not what I would go to a vampire movie for, you know? Um, and so, you know, I, 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 in, the, in my mind, I'm always, I always imagine like an alternate lore of vampires where this became the dominant strain of vampirism in, in the, in the media where it's more, it's more ghoulish. Like Joel said, and I, I think that would be, I think I don't know. I think that would be more, maybe more scary movies if it, if it. Were, I think uh, so. I, yeah. and I would like to point out that there there's a lot of vampire movies where they blend them, mm-hmm. uh, and that contrast serves the vampire well. I we we did we reviewed Bram Stoker's Dracula, which owes a lot to this movie, yeah. and the the opening part of Bram Stoker's Dracula had a lot of callbacks to that. Or uh, there's a lot of callbacks to this movie's opening sequence, and they're both like they're both Stoker, right? They're, they're both those intro sequences where he's alone in the carriage and he crosses the bridge. But there's a moment in this film where they they do a photo negative as he's going through the like weird dark barrier, and like for 1922, that's some A plus special effects. Yeah, um, and it's very affecting because everything's inverted and eerie looking and, and blurry. It's it's actually. Uh, like I can imagine this would blow the audience's minds at the time. Like, oh, what just happened? And it's the same thing as in, in Stoker's Dracula, where the, there's that kind of weird, like, fiery veil that they have to go through. So I, there's a lot of little things like that in this movie. They just do this wonderful job of, like, planting these seeds in your mind. And I, I think you had to do that, considering the limitations of, 
of the the technology at the time that they sort of had to get you in this mood where you were willing to imagine the other parts of the movie that they couldn't film. And that's one of those moments where there's something that affects you and then your imagination kind of takes off from there. So uh, I quite liked that. And I, I quite liked, um, I, I miss, I've, I've, I've gone into the late night wandering around now. <laughs> that's okay. No, late night's fine. <laughs> so then why don't we get into the area of, whether this is a scary movie or not. And I think when we, Ooh, that's a good when, when we, when we came up with this idea, we were thinking of that really in terms of the medium of silent film as well. Like, you know, this is obviously yeah. different from a modern scary movie. So, you know, what, what are people's thoughts on whether Nosferatu is scary to a modern audience? Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of nuance to scare. There's a lot of different things that will scare different people. Your personality is a big point in scaring. So is there anything that shocked or surprised or upset me in this movie? Not really. I'm not going to have nightmares because of this movie. Although I will say uh, the, the, the Nosferatu stare, the Count Orlock, like animal eye stare, that's, that sticks with you. That's an image that sticks with you. And I think there's a lot of that in this movie. Like, yeah, sure. Watching it, watching it now as a modern cynical audience it's like oh that's not scary but then like you'll you'll be laying in your bed and you'll think about like orlock's shadow creeping yeah, across the yeah. wall with those well, super long nails and you're like well actually let, let me ask you this what what's what would you consider to be a modern scary movie monster that like like what what would be something from a modern movie that, that was a scary monster that you think I, benefits I from was, the more I, modern effects and stuff like that why well, and this isn't modern modern but a little while ago when i was really into horror movies i was really enjoying the like the the localized japanese ones like the ring and the grudge i thought those were really like actually okay, very frightening okay. mm-hmm. uh they were unexpected which is important to fear they had a lot of like sudden scares and, and like, they those were just, are genuinely like... scary too i think those are oh yeah those, those are, are yeah, those are yeah. really effective but in a way those are effective i think in a way to me nosferatu is effective because what I was going to ask you, it was like a trap question. It didn't work because you picked like the worst possible example for me to, to, to hoist you on. But what I was going to uh, ask you is if it's late at night and, and, and either Nosferatu or the monster that you just selected is going to appear, you know, near your bed at night and wake oh, you up, which you. one would you rather not have? And, oh god <laughs> those are both horrible options because that's the thing yeah. when you think about orlock rising out of his coffin yeah. just not moving just like this unearthly rising i don't want that shit happening in my bed dude fuck that that is equally scary in those circumstances to, to me what what nos the reason nosferatu scary is because of orlock and just some like the like even the scene where he's like reading all the letters and he's got the weird hat on and he just has a yeah. ghoulish expression like it's, it, that scene that just freaked me the fuck out when I was a kid like that I the, and 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 that and even to this day it's still a monster that scares me like I don't like if I start imagining Count Orlock creeping into my room at night I have to banish the thought from my head do you know what I mean he's that kind of a monster. Um, and not many yeah. monsters do that. Like, like, but I think the ones in Japanese movies, like you mentioned, are up there yeah, with they're, that. They're at that level well, of, I don't want it, the lady from Juan showing up next to me in bed at night. You know what I mean? Um, you, get, you get things in, in, in J-Horror too, like in Pulse, where, where 
it, it just becomes kind of a plague of horror. I mean, and that's yeah. true of this movie too. It's like he, the vampire, it's not just the vampire showing up. Everyone's just going to start dying in the mm. whole city just because he's there is a similar kind of level of monster. Yeah. Well, there were some cool, there were cool things they were doing with that. Where like, he has to have the, the, the earth from his grave there, but it's the, yeah. the earth from his grave is connected to the black plague. And so there's yes. this yes. whole thing with the rats coming off and like the plague and all that. Um, but just, I don't know, just, to, and, and I think also something about the, the Count Orlock character and the fact that it's black and white, that it's grainy and mm-hmm. it looks almost like, it almost looks like old, old timey photos. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it like, like it could mm-hmm. be real. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, would mm-hmm. you, uh, uh, I don't know. I, I just, I, 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 again, it's not scary in the sense of, uh, a movie that you get immer- immersed in and you're waiting for the next scene to happen and you're scared of what's gonna, like what beat is going to follow. Do you know what I mean? Like you're sort of anticipating being scared and the movie's playing with that sense of anticipation. I feel like this is more at a primal level. Like they're yeah. showing me a visual of something that deep in my bones I'm horrified of for some primal reason. Do you know what I mean? That's Well, and the the point you're making there about it being kind of more real, that is something that is very affecting about the movie. There, there's such a presence to Orlock, and there's such a matter-of-factness about the way, like those big, wide, theater-style shots that they put out, that it does make it feel like it, it really is like an old-timey film reel. Like it feels like something that is that was real at the time and that you're just kind of seeing as this artifact of this ancient time uh, and that might just be because of the bias of our per- modern perspective but yet yeah there is something like that to well, it well i think there are certain things like with the, like i was talking with adam about this before like like the the whole inst uh what are they called inter inter titles interstitials the interstitials the interstitials were um well like in a modern movie you have like 10 minutes of dialogue where you can or maybe not 10 minutes but you have minutes of dialogue where you can work in some subtle reference to the the castle mm-hmm. not being a safe place, but they only have like one interstitial really to, to yeah. it's yeah. like a couple of paragraphs at most, really just like one short paragraph. And so they have to work all of that. There's not as much room for subtlety. Do you know what I mean? And there's, and, and they kind of have to break some of the rules of even things like perspective and things like that, just so that they can cram the information in there and and uh and do it efficiently um so i i feel like some of that stuff might might read as hokey to a modern audience even though if you think about it there's really no other way to do it in the space they're allotted if that makes sense yeah Yeah. you have to have some apologetics for just how ancient this piece of cinema is yeah it it is it's It's 100 years old old. it's it, it was 1922 and we're we're like on the we're like a you know months away from 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 this being 100 years old right so yeah uh that's that's in fact uh, what is what is its birthday that would be uh do we have an actual month or is it more um came out in march came out in march oh god it's it's gonna be 100 the same the right around my birthday that's it's unsettling okay so you know so i mean it's a a weird spring movie it's going to turn 100 the uh, day I turn 50. So that's, uh, well, not the day. The oh, month, you guys are, right? I'm a December exactly. baby. So, but, uh, the, uh, yeah. we're all very disappointed. 
So, so uh, let's move what on to. Oh, well, oh, I'm I, sorry. I want to get. I really want to get Adam's opinion. Is this movie scary? Like, what? What are you? What's your feeling about it? I wouldn't say scary. It's definitely creepy. It's it. It can. It does get under your skin. But I mean, yeah, scary for me means it. You know, jumping in your seat, kind of tension, your blood pumping. That's what I how I define scary. But this for me is a is a creepy movie. Yeah. I, Good uh, so yeah, I'm not gonna not gonna <laughs> come down on an exact either side. Okay, no, one. that's a fair. I think it's a fair. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. There are many kinds of scary. Yeah, you know, because the the scary of Videodrome and the scary of American Werewolf in in London, <laughs> or uh, the the scary of Hellraiser, the scary mm-hmm. of the thing. They're all different kinds. You yeah. know, those are all very different flavors of scary. Yeah, I mean, one thing this movie is. I mean, aside from being the story of Dracula to a large extent, which we know, but even the the new element adds like the woman having to sacrifice herself. It's yeah. it's still very predictable the way it plays out. Yeah. So because there, there's there's an element of tragedy to it, but it doesn't feel like what's going to happen. Is she going to make it? It's like no, you just you just know that yeah, she's going to sacrifice herself and die, but then everyone else will be saved. So. Yeah. Now we have we have a uh, a segment we wanted to call clown shoes scene. Oh, clown uh, shoes! Which, which is just some of the awkward scenes, maybe due to the time or whatever. But I know Joel, there were some scenes that you wanted to talk about here with the coffin, or I, I think it was. In oh there. yeah, it because and it's it's at the end of the very affecting and impressively long sequence where he's on the ship and everyone's going crazy or dying. Is that like that whole sequence is glorious? It actually is pretty spooky. Like there's the scene where he kind of like comes out of his coffin like a wraith there's the one where he comes out of his coffin and he's totally stiff and there's there's really something behind him that's propping him up but like the the illusion's effective and it's very unnerving to watch him rise like that because he has that hideous stare on his face the whole time there's a lot of really good scenes on that ship and it's like it's really impressive and then when he gets off of the ship there's no mystery to it he lifts his coffin up and walks around town with it and he walks like that with this like awkwardly hefting around this coffin for a while. Yeah. You kind of see him walking across like they're kind of sure it's, it's the old thing of where like a modern movie would edit it more uh, stylishly and in older movies, like you have to see the guy walk across the room. Um, I think they need the connecting tissue. Yeah. Yeah. One thing we haven't brought up, of course, that that Brendan told us to look out for when we watch it is the tinting thing, Mm. you know, where the tinting indicates this movie has tinted shots where it indicates the time of day and that kind of thing. That's really useful, by the way. I think because one thing to keep in mind is, you know, you said there's no mystery to it, but that is tinted. Well, it's it's untinted in a way to indicate that it's actually night during that shot, as opposed to later on when everyone shows up and discovers the boat. So, you know, him walking around the town, it is at night. It's not him walking around the town during the day, even I, though it clearly is shot during the day. I think what I think what what was irritating Joel about it was that it's um it's him carrying the coffin on his own, kind of like a jerk. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Whereas all the other scenes, there's more of a cool factor to how he's transporting himself. And that just feels like I, because I, because little... the thing is, when I when I was watching it this time, I was thinking of if I wanted to do a, you know, how like like the whole premise of him at Dracula's mm-hmm. castle is there's no servants there, so he's doing all the work. Like there's a giant meal prepared that mm-hmm. he made himself, and I was thinking of how you know if you wanted to make a funny version of Dracula, you would show Dracula in the kitchen making the chicken. 
you know, and doing mm-hmm. like all the, you know, like making the bed and doing all these things, you know, and, and that scene kind of does what I was thinking the parody should do. It shows, <laughs> it shows the back room stuff that you're really not supposed to see when Dracula is pulling the wool over Harker's <laughs> eyes. Right. Right. So, it, it looks, it's like the whole transporting himself to, to Germany was just like a poorly planned bank heist. He's like, <laughs> where are we going to put my coffin before dawn? Oh no. So, so yeah, it, it's a little, it's a little goofy. Um, and I understand what they're trying to convey there. They're trying to convey his superhuman strength and like this yep. evil has arrived. And yeah. man, they, they really, they did not nail it with that. They did the opposite <laughs> of nail You're it. saying it would have been more effective if we just saw him moving without his coffin. His coffin was already at the residence or the coffin was floating in front of him or something. To I mean, just well, make they already it. did the, something cool. Again, at the, when they were boarding the ship and they lift up the coffin that has him in it, there's a bunch of rats underneath of it. How yeah. great would it have been if like, you know, the coffin you see him go to sleep in, they bring it off the ship and it breaks open and just rats spill out and go running through the streets, you know, in, in the dark. And then they coalesce in the castle and then he, he rises up from that. Like, that would have been cool, you know? That, that would have been cooler. I'll give you that, Joel. Well, so. I, they do something like that in, in Bram Stoker's Dracula, where, like, he comes off as, a, as some kind of wolf monster and he, he ravages, uh, what was it? Was it Mina? I don't forget who it was. No, Lucy. He ravages Lucy and mm-hmm. this, this horrifying it's it's shot in a way where it's like cutting to the, the, the thunderhead and it's all like in your face and intense. This is great. Um and the one moment when he seems vulnerable in that, whenever uh, Mina comes down and sees him and he's like, Don't see me and then it kind of pans over to him and he's like sobbing. He's still like this horrific monster while that's happening. And okay, that's an unfair comparison, granted. But like <laughs> You didn't have to go Keystone Cops with it, bro. Come on. He's carrying his coffin around like it's a suitcase. Go to hell. Yeah, I mean, I, that, that that scene does kind of stand out a little bit. I do have to admit. I, 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 th- I think, I think though, for a silent movie, it's sort of, you know, it's 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 something that I would expect to see. But I, uh, I, 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 I could definitely see how it's it doesn't quite have the same level of effectiveness for me as a viewer as the ships the ship scenes or even the scenes where his his coffin is being assembled in and they're using all the camera tricks to make the coffin move on its own and stuff onto the uh uh onto the platform before he gets Uh on the boat um you know yeah and i think that maybe there was it's a scene that even if it were missing and you just use an interstitial i would have been fine with it you know that you might have been able to find a few, like, several second long artful shots. Like, there's a scene where he's he's carrying the coffin around, and he, he goes to the castle, and he just vanishes. He doesn't break through a door or open the door. He just vanishes, and it's clear that, like, his presence has arrived at his residence. And that's fine. You know, I could have a couple of shots of him hoisting the coffin up, and then, like, maybe one that was, like, three seconds long of him, like, in silhouette with it, and then vanishing into the castle. Okay, fine. That would have been fine. It's like scene after scene and like each one is like almost a minute long of him just like wandering around town. Like where where did I park? Like it's so, it just, there's too much of that. It was establishing a layout of the town. So you understood it for the big action scene at the end. That's all. (laughs) Where he's driving the hearse through town. Exactly. Oh man. Yeah, the, the Ben Hur esque finale where they're all <laughs> fighting with hearses and like leaping back and forth was pretty thrilling. I'll give it that. I think that was Van Helsing you're thinking of. Oh right, right. No, that was a way worse movie. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. What, what did you think? One scene that I always kind of, I don't know why I, I, I am captivated by this scene, but the Venus flytrap scene for some reason. Oh, those scenes yeah. were cool. Yeah. yeah. They have the Venus flytrap. Then they have like the little, what was it? A jellyfish thing. And like, you know, know that was the, just them was, putting but... the camera on like some kind of swamp creature and being like, okay, now eat it. And it does. <laughs> you get that captured on camera. Oh, it's wonderful. I mean, I, yeah. Yeah, I th- oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was, I was thinking for the Venus flytrap thing. I mean, it's interesting too, because for a time period where people were still relatively new to films, just getting to see things like that would have yeah. been very cool to the audience in a way that oh, yeah. that, that, that isn't for us. Well, you, I still I, find Venus flytraps fun, even though I like had a bunch of them as a kid and stuff. Like, <laughs> you know. Yeah, they rule. I love yeah. Venus flytraps. Yeah, I wasn't. One of the things I don't appreciate it just you know oh yeah no it would have been completely a different experience if you never even heard of the venus flytrap you're just like there's no way that plant uh, stayed a fly did it (laughs) is that real but i I like i like i like the comparison to the vampire you know just sort of the way that they're sort of you know it is weird that he's straight up like helsing is straight up like it's not like a vampire kiss (laughs) (laughs) like man you really are like directly like raising the generation of vampire hunters huh buddy (laughs) <laughs> ain't no vampires coming to my germany so i don't actually know what town they're in i know it was a german film i can't remember the name of the one. town either but uh yeah they do give one but their town in hoffen i'm sure they... town in hoffen. um but uh but yeah and also i guess we uh we should bring up that this is like the first movie where vampires are killed by sunlight right that was something that we were sort oh, of yeah. looking at well, I, I brought that up before, yeah, before the podcast started, and we had to look it up and like, yeah, this is the one. Yeah, um, <laughs> and it's interesting because, like, in like Adam was saying, it's like it's it's sunlight, but it's conditional on other things. It's more like a, uh, oh yeah, there's like a ritual element to it, or a, um, a sacrificial element where uh, you know it requires an uh, an innocent woman willingly sacrificing her own blood to to sort of trick the vampire to staying into the sunlight. And, you know, so again, maybe they were just using flowery language or something, but it seems like that was a requirement of the sunlight yeah, all, killing him. It all I mean, happens very specifically in that way, too. You know. So, like, yeah, I, there's a ceremonial element to it, which is interesting. Um, and I think that kind of goes in with the general ceremonial energy of Orlock. Like his presence, there's something spectral about it. There, there's some sort of mystical element to it. And, like, in even like little little details kind of hint to that too like whenever the very beginning of the movie where they're looking through uh, the the what is he the guy that sells orlock his house knock. gets a letter from him knock yeah, knock <laughs> knocks his name and it's just these weird creepy like alchemy symbols and stuff and he's just like yeah, it looks like it looks like a bad gm handout is what it looks like yeah it looks like a bad it GM does. Um, but like but you could imagine this weird bat monster in his castle, like dipping his pin in some dark liquid and just like etching out these bizarre symbols. You know, there's something like demoniac to that whole, not just the the fact of the letter, but like it's it's Genesis just speaks to something that's kind of otherworldly. Yeah, I love that. Um, well, and, then, again, and there's a lot of demonic references in the in the sub in the subtitles of the movie, right? Like they, they keep comparing him to a demon or you know well, using they the say word... he's like the child of belial or something like that Belial, you know, like Belial. Sire or 
Is it Belial? I don't, I don't, I don't know how you pronounce it. Years. I, I could be pronouncing it wrong. I don't know. You know let, me, let, let, me, let me try to look up the proper pronunciation while you're uh while you i i recently realized that i was saying the word minutia incorrectly and the way it actually sounds is mind-blowingly different and i'm just like i'm just gonna keep saying I, wait, minutia. I, I say minutia that's how i say it it's yeah it's, it's a lot closer to that uh well I, I think i may have accidentally looked up the plural where it's minutia um yeah it's it's very different and i was like ooh, oh no i'm just gonna keep saying minutia it's yeah. like uh whatever Whenever I realized I was saying forte wrongs, it's just fort. Uh, I was like, nah, I'm just going to say forte. <laughs> I, I don't care. I'm going to change that one. I'm going to edit. I, I'm i just going to edit the actual word to be my version of it. People have to yeah. figure it out. Well, language is a personal thing. Other people don't need to get what you're saying. That's kind of my feeling. Yeah, it's, it's super unimportant that language doesn't get used for the sole purpose of its creation. <laughs> It's, okay. meant, it's meant to mystify and confuse. That's the purpose doll. of language. <laughs> yeah, no. You, you encode your ideas into sounds, and you just vomit them at someone in this incomprehensible mass. Well, it's like yeah. it's you want to overwhelm them with the confusion, so that they, they so that you persuade them to do what you want. That's the that's the purpose. Of that's language. right. Language is a mystical sorcery <laughs> that you cast upon your foes. So that's the uh, that's how in the in the wiki entry that's how it says it's pronounced. You know. belly, I don't belly. know that that only added to my confusion to be honest. Yeah, I don't know if that helps. Yeah, me, to be honest, <laughs> it seems just as arcane and bizarre. But, I, I but I've heard it pronounced a bunch of different ways. Fortunately, the things that happen when you pronounce his name properly are not good. So I think <laughs> I think we're dodging a bullet. Here. Okay. He's tricking us into saying his name over and over. You wily devil, you. <laughs> It's just like with Aster all over again. Yeah, anyone else like to give it a shot? But anyways, the, the point was there's like a demonic element to his character in, in this in this version, which um, uh, you know, keeps coming up. Mm -hmm. um, so and and I and again, I, I I did like the you know I, the other thing too is that that scene of her sacrificing herself in that way it kind it makes her like the not the protagonist necessarily, but like the the hero. It's definitely the hero. It's the yeah. hero. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, yeah, it's funny because there is the whole race between the two of them, but that's kind of not actually what what uh, decides the movie. Yeah, no, I mean, it really it really because 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 also both he and she read the same book, but she's the only yeah. one that like uh, like he apparently one of the funniest scenes is him reading a single page which is like only like a like a one paragraph interstitial and then getting tired and going to bed because he's read this one paragraph of information um, but but she but she persists she keeps reading it she she you know she against against his against his um you know request that she not do so he 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 uh she well, keeps reading that it goes back to the GM handout thing. It's like you find a diary. Here, here's the one page handout for the diary. <laughs> oh man, this it's is one about paragraph long. I, I used to I, when I, when I first started, I used to fully commit to the diary and have wow. it be like. But but the problem with that is, there's a reason why the one the paragraph diary. Don't want to read it. Yeah, they don't want to read a full diary. Um, it's you know the authenticity is great but it doesn't it does it, yeah. it doesn't really work in practice yeah um, you you can do it what i saw those used effectively during larps and things like that back back in the day when i used to play in larps 
Um, and yeah, in, in that circumstance, you are meant to take up the evening. So if you have a diary and there are clues in it, you can just kind of flip through that while you're role playing with people, and that's fine. You don't have yeah, someone there. I know what you mean. You're that. not you're not holding up the whole well, thing for everyone. Yeah. But for me, the worst one was when I was doing my crime network campaign, and there was a character who was like a rat in the family, and he had and and I was really into true crime books that were like written by people that used to be in the mafia and then worked for the feds or whatever and wrote a book with somebody. And so it was, it was basically like a parody of those kinds of books. And I had been reading so many of them that I had all this parody in me (laughs) that had to get out. And so I, I just, it was just this huge player handout to the point that it had like all these entries, but then I also made a fabricated cover of it where I took like a character from the Sopranos and put him on the cover as the character, like the guy that's supposed to be the, the rat. And then I gave it like a title and, and like a like, subtitle. And uh, it was just far yeah, too did, extensive. Did you give it any, like any critical blurbs on the cover? Yeah. I had a critical blurb on the cover. Too. <laughs> oh my God, it, it, it looked like a, it looked like a real book cover type thing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But uh but yeah, so uh so I guess I guess we've really tapped into the we 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 we've, we've run the sunlight killing the vampire into the ground here. Did I we did, so. did we talk so. about the disease and the plague of rats the and 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 you know the, the cuz there's a whole subplot of the city succumbing to the the plague from the rats and oh, or yeah. it's it's actually unclear is it the rats or is it Orlock himself. Like, how did you guys? There's read a that? lot of people dying to be just. I mean, it could yeah. be, but I, I think it's more interesting if it's the rats and just kind of this plague emanating from him. That you know, I, I find that's more interesting. He's, you know, fighting dozens and dozens of people every night. Is I don't know. It's actually less scary somehow. Yeah, yeah. I, I like it. I like the idea of him being this passively, not like, toxic element. Yeah. Or just yeah. his presence is enough to just to spoil yeah. things around him and kill people. Um, and it, that kind of like links him back to the Black Plague again, where it's it's not just like and there's there's a lot of supernatural thinking about that plague. Like it came during a time in history, people were very, very religious. And so it was like the wrath of God to the people that were experiencing it. It was such a nightmarish thing. And in linking Orlock to that and been saying that it yeah, yeah, it really was. The wrath of God. Here's a uh, half demon, and when he comes around, Black Plague's back, folks. Deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this wonderful scene of them carting this line of coffins down yeah. the, the main yeah. thoroughfare. That's, that's exactly, so yeah. oh, so chilling. You know it, the scope of that, and that's aped, by the way, in um uh interview with the vampire. They they have oh. that scene where they're they're just bringing coffins out of that one mansion. Um, so yeah, that again, another little little moment from from good old Count Orlock that uh, infused future movies. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know what? I have not seen Interview with the Vampire from beginning to end once. I believe I've oh, seen the ending, and I've seen most of it, but I, I've never seen oh, it hundred percent. It's, it's all a the good watch, man. We, we I, should do I, that one. I read the book and I saw the movie the night it came out, but I haven't seen it since then. So my memory of the movie is pretty sketchy. Yeah. I did you really read, need I, to go back to it. I uh, read yeah, that. Yeah, I, I'd be up for watching it again. I did read the book and I read The Vampire Lestat, but just in terms of the movie, I haven't. I don't, I don't know why that is. It just occurred to me. Um, it's, it's smart of you to only read those two books. That was, yeah, yeah, that's what I had heard. heard yeah. so. <laughs> I, I read those two books and I read The Mummy. 
Uh, not, was it okay. was the name of it the Mummy or was it Ramses the Damned? Was that the name of the book? Ramses the Damned. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ramses the Damsies. Yeah, I, I like I like that book actually better than the the Interview with the Vampire books. Um, oh, but uh, all right. So what about the music of this? And I, now again, there's a big caveat here because uh, my understanding is the original score is not intact. I could be wrong about that, but that was the information I was able to find. And so it's working off of fragments and it has to be reconstructed. And so I believe what we heard in the Kino version was a reconstruction of the original soundtrack. But I think every version kind of tries to reconstruct that or they just look, grab some classical music and put it on top. And it's horrible because nothing <laughs> matches. But um, which which uh, I believe my old VHS was one of those types of uh, movies. <laughs> but 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 I I did like watching this one how well the music lined up with yeah. the oh, yeah. film and I, that's not an experience yeah. that I used to have with this movie so I, I imagine that that's, even if it wasn't the same actual notes that must be a closer experience to what it was originally like when it had a score you know what I mean um, yeah and so back up back when I was in college and I I this is when I was in my silent movie phase they actually played Metropolis in a film class I was doing. And they, they did a live piano accompaniment for the score. Uh, it was a guy with the original co original composition for it. And this kind of reminded me of that. There's there's a clear understanding of what they're scoring, and there's there's a, a real genuine creativity to it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's appropriate, and it's one of the two pillars this movie has. I mean, like yeah. you've got the visuals, and then you've got the score. There's no voices. There's very little in terms of special effects. That's one of the two pillars, and it's it's quite a solid one in my estimation. It's, it's really well recorded too. I mean, it yeah. was a really nice production. The time, because I mean, a lot of times when I watch silent movies, it's like, oh, I don't need to have the volume up very loud. For this, I was like, that music cranking it was great. It, it was. <laughs> what the, what this also made me think about was how important the score must have been because. Oh, it was and, so, and, it had to be critical. And I, yeah. and I and again, I don't know which notes were from the real score or which ones were. You know, I, I I can't weigh in on that. But but watching this version, what really hit home was, wow! I don't need to hear the ship going through the water because the way that they yeah. decided to score the cello sounds like a ship moving through water. You know, what I mean, it was like, it was like, and 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 there were even moments where like literally things that are going on on the screen. The, sound, the the score is doing like the the drum beat of a drummer or the sound of a chime you know like there there are certain things you can do in an orchestra that will reflect what's actually happening there but i felt like my i felt like i was actually not watching a silent movie in a way do you know what i mean yeah. which uh which i thought was pretty cool um and again when the, the version of nosferatu i had before I, I i don't remember well enough but i'm pretty sure it was just like some random classical music put on to the the soundtrack and because it didn't line up it was just kind of meaningless background noise do you know what i mean it wasn't yeah uh, it, it that was. can really hurt because like again it's one of two pillars and this is very appropriate music and uh, and not only in the way that well in, in the way that you're describing like not only in the way that it's like emotionally appropriate which it is 
Yeah. There, there's a lot of moments in this movie like that are very tender and largely because of the score and very un, unearthly and, and unsettling because of the score. There's moments of tension that come because yeah. of the score. But like you're saying, there's also this diegetic element to it where it's kind of pulling the weight of a, of the rest of the soundtrack. Yeah. that It has to be absent because it's silent. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's it's quite something. And it's it's subtle enough and it's understated enough that it's not like ramming in your face the whole time. But you always it's always very present. The, the emotional element is always very present yeah. in the score. Yeah, so, the, yeah, I, I quite admire this one. Yeah, the ship scene in particular just really seemed to work. Like, that was one where I was like, wow, that is that the, sounds like the, a ship moving slowly through the water type thing. Um, it does. And the when the, the plague really starts hitting and, like, how down the score gets in those yeah. parts, is it's very mm-hmm. funeral dirge. And it, it really under, it, it helps to bring forward just how apocalyptic this guy's arrival is. And that's pretty impressive, again, for a hundred-year-old movie. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. It's, it's something I've always wondered about, because I knew that there were, there were scores to silent movies, but back when I used to watch them, I, I was under the impression that I was not watching a version that was using the original score. Um, so, you know, I was, I, and I was always curious, like, what it must be, because I think, too, the scores would have been played live at the, um, at the movie house, yeah. so... That must have been a whole other like performances would have varied to a degree too. So mm-hmm. there would have been that. Yeah. Maybe maybe people even had room to improvise and stuff. Who knows? You know, like it just I'm just very curious what the overall like the experience must have been so different from what we have going to a, a movie with sound well, the way that you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's one difference too. It's like you go go if you're in a big city, you can see it with an orchestra playing and that kind of thing. Or is it just a guy on the yeah. piano? Is it? I mean, yeah, it's it's. Oh, I mean, you know, seeing it with an orchestra, you're like going to see see it in IMAX or something. That would be the equivalent. Yeah, because like where I live, it's probably like the guy with like the attitude piano, right? Or exactly. like or like the church exactly. pipe organ or something like, which actually yeah. probably wouldn't be too bad, but. But no, so, that know, actually would be really cool yeah. for this movie. But uh, but yeah, it's it, it would have been very different depending on where you were. Yeah, so I don't know that that's that that, that just really got me interested and, mm-hmm. and excited. I almost wonder if there's a book on this topic of like silent films. There's got to be, you know. There's got to. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you would think so, but you know, you, you never know. Um, no, um, I I suppose not, but. But anyway, so uh, do we have any other topics, or if we uh, if we reach the end of the road here, and if we rambled too much, our... or have we done a good job of staying <laughs> focused I, I think and our, aligned? Our focus to ramble seems pretty good. I might okay. regret saying that after I listen to this episode, or <laughs> like in the light of day tomorrow, I might be like, "Oh no, the magic is gone." Yeah. No, not only is it late, I barely slept the previous night, so I, I am just not here tonight. But. Uh... Yeah, I made it through a podcast, whether I well said anything coherent or not. Well, but honestly, my favorite podcast to do are the late night movie reviews. I prefer, like just in terms of my enjoyment as a as a talker and as a speaker. I, I prefer this format because you're not you you're sort you're you're it's sort of like that part of your brain that that opens up like after you've been drinking or after you know yeah. it's like it's oh, like yeah. that kind yeah. of thing. Um, so you know so. But I, I think this was a more focused uh, late night one than than our previous late night movie review. Um, so yeah, so uh, I don't know. We have parting thoughts then, or are we? Do we want to rate Nosferatu, or is that like not? 
Is that not really like in good taste to rate? It like would almost classic? be like rating bread. I mean, yeah. like it's bread, man. It had its time, yeah. and it's just kind of a staple now. Well, it's and like it's like rating Shakespeare or something, right? Like it's yeah, yeah it like feels this weird. is a classic of horror. If you yeah. haven't, if you're you have to watch Nosferatu if you want to. Yeah, see yourself a favor. Watch Nosferatu. You know, it's yeah. not. It's not. It's what ninety minutes. Yeah, an hour and a half. It's it depends really on which version way. you watch. Actually, it's anywhere from well, I, like an hour and twenty-two to an hour and thirty-five minutes. I think. Yeah, I, we got a pretty long version. There's like 30, 30 good minutes per act of oh, this one. Did you yeah. mention the crank thing? Because I remember you brought that up. Oh, that's that, right. Okay, that would so, be relevant. This is, this is a piece of information that I got later on. I, I bought a version of um of of uh, Metropolis, and it was very jerky. And I was like, why do you like this movie? And I I was researching it at the time, and apparently one of the big things that was controversial about silent movies is that they're cranked at a different speed than modern movies. So it's about almost like it's like half as much or something. It's it's much slower, and so crank speed is actually a really important element to watching a silent movie. And the people who put this one together knew that, and so they 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 dropped the crank speed way down, and so the movements are a lot less jerky and a lot yeah. more natural looking. Um, and when they do rev up the speed, it's intentional because it's it's to show like the the count's superhuman speed or unearthly movements, and it makes for a much richer watching experience. The acting seems a lot more like acting and a lot less like people like jerking around crazily, which I think we're we're used to seeing that uh, yeah. from clips of old old silent movies. Well, like when this I imagine looks... Phantom of the Opera, I picture you know like oh like yeah, very very jerky. Yeah. Um, what was that? Um, there's there's some comedy i think it's keystone comps i'm thinking about actually where all their movement is like really hyper spastic and quick and jerky and so that's for comedic effect but a lot of times it's because whenever we made the move over to talkies where we had to synchronize there was a standardization of how fast films were cranked and it was much faster uh so that you know the the speech would line up in a way that sounded a lot better and it it left it left the old silent movies really behind and a lot of modern projectors whenever they started rerunning those on projectors were just way faster people got used to it and that knowledge kind of became a more obscure thing hmm. and it's nice to see people that are in charge of restoration understanding that and and making certain that they're they're working within the confines of the, the medium to give you the best version of this so yeah the the amazon the kino version looks really really good crank speed is accurate for all of you silent movie purists out there the Kino version of everything I've seen so far has been really, really great. That's uh, yeah. they do what's good the, what's the name of that channel so people know how to find it, Adam? Do you know? It's often? Kino Cult was the Kino, name of the channel, Kino and it's Cult. yeah, I'd say it's a free with commercials channel for uh, yeah. And the commercials aren't very invasive, which no, is and, and I didn't get any commercials on when I saw the commercials it. were worse this time than when the last movie we reviewed, purely because we're moving into the governor election season where I live, um, so almost every. <laughs> I was political this time, but I didn't get any. But honestly, I, I I was I'm curious to see if they have a free like a pay service too. Because like this Kino service, they have like a their full catalog. But I haven't looked into. No, it they yet. do. They do have. Well, they have one where you can buy and rent movies. I know that. Okay. Okay. Um, I don't know if they have one where you can pay a subscription fee and just watch all of them. I'm not sure. Um, yeah. And actually, the 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 Nosferatu to rent is like three ninety nine, and to buy is like ten dollars. Um, oh. so, you know, the commercial shave off four bucks, you know, yeah. <laughs> I think most but, of our audience probably has four bucks handy, but, <laughs> but for some reason I didn't get commercials this time. I don't know why that was. Um, oh. 
Or if I did, I just didn't. Maybe, maybe I just didn't notice. You know, like sometimes you watch YouTube and commercials, probably you just don't even pay attention to them. Um, yeah, <laughs> they skip showing you ads for Count Chocula cereal. You're like, wow, there's animated segments. <laughs> no, just more like my brain might have tuned it out, and I just didn't even remember that it happened. Type of a thing. Um, not, not that I, not that I thought it was part of the Nosferatu. You know, that that, that would be weird. That would be very strange. Um, Why are you trying to sell me L'Oreal, Count Orlock? <laughs> you don't even have hair. What's this about the governor working with the Taliban? What's going on? Does Count Orlock speak to you often, Brendan? No, no. Uh, not God. nearly enough. Not nearly enough. So, but, uh, but yeah, so, yeah, I, I mean, I guess I would just close by repeating what Adam said, which is, you know, this is classic horror movie. You definitely yeah. should watch it. Uh, watch it. You know, it had a huge impact on me as a kid. I mean, obviously, we had a discussion about how scary it is, and it is going to vary. I think it's, I still think it holds up in terms of the depiction of a monster, which is, I think, the most important thing in a lot of horror movies. So, what? Just. Yeah, you walk away from this movie, Richard. Uh, your mind is filled with the hideous visage of Count Orlock for the rest of your life. And, uh, and and I guess I guess it's it's really crucial to under what was that uh, book series that was turned into a Jim Carrey movie, a series of unfortunate events. You, oh, know, yeah. you, you won't get that reference if you don't uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you don't see this movie. So there's that too. It's definitely the most important element of this film. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, the that's the most important element. element of that movie. Do you know what I mean? That's the way. I, oh, that's yeah. the way I would say. Um, but but yeah. So. Uh, you know, check it out. And, and again, Kino cult can't say enough about it. That, that, that's been very interesting to, 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 to use that. Cause we've been mostly renting movies and stuff. Right. And so yeah. uh, being well, able I mean, to, a lot of times it's free on Amazon stuff, but yeah, that's still a service that costs money. Yeah. Kino cult though. You can just, you just go watch it. And this is one of our watch alongs for the, the wonderful Halloweeny season. So go, go do yourself a favor and soak in a horror classic. You wonderful ghouls. <laughs> So with that, we'll uh, we'll let everybody go, and I don't know what movie we're doing next. I know I know we had talked about some things, but uh, we'll do something suitably Halloween. And until next time, we will talk to you later.